My scripture this morning is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. If you'd like to follow along as I read aloud, it is found in your pew Bibles in page 156 on, in the New Testament section. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ, Jesus called to be saints. Together with all those who are in every place, call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. But it should say there, is to whom it all may concern. That's probably one of the largest, longest greetings of all time to get to the point of saying, by the way, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the, of the grace of God that has been given you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. May God bless the reading of God's Holy Scripture. Thanks be to God. I don't know if it was just the fact that as I was preparing my sermons, I may have been listening to uh, Looney Tunes, and for some reason, Sylvester the Cat is stuck in my brain as I wanted to say greetings and salutations. I don't know why, but it's just kind of been that way ever since I started reading this passage of Scripture. Now, this is important for you all to recognize that in Paul writing, he, he really is verbose. And he really wants you to know there's a formality to the letters that he writes. And he wants it to be very, um, very strong that you understand how powerful his words are. He starts off with this Eucharist moment, this thanksgiving, if you will, that connects him to the congregation. Now this is important. As an apostle. He's not just some Joe Blow walking down the street. He is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the ability to speak the word of God, and you, as the church, have the glory to hear it. And he would say, thanks be to God. Because you have this opportunity to hear these words. Of course, this letter is starting off with this aspect of his normal formulaic calling as an apostle, but he also wants you to understand that this church in Corinth that he is writing to has been sanctified in Christ. And he even names them saints. And generally addresses all as Jesus as their Lord. This is extremely important to this. Somehow, there's some sort of ar argument going on in the background that we're not a part of or, or privy to because he is wanting you to understand that the spiritual ones who have tried to undermine Paul's ministry and teaching among the Corinthians. It's an important phrase as they wait of the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Paul's opening, however, after he gets through the long verbose to whom it may concern. He reflects a disciplined, prayer-centered Christian. He starts off with a ritual that somehow is something that's important to him that he's trying to pass on and to teach the people of Corinth. He starts off by saying, I always give thanks to my God for you because of the grace of God given you in Christ Jesus. This is not an action. It's a response. You see the difference? <clears throat> in most times when we pray, we, we ask God for everything. We don't ever respond to God. In this moment, Paul says, I always give thanks to you, to my God for you, because of the grace that God has given you in Christ Jesus. Starts his prayer off with that. This is pretty amazing. There's an introduction to his role as the apostle, but recognizes very quickly that it's just a title. It's kind of hard for us to recognize this. I, 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 I tend to worry about this, especially in my own life, uh, when we ask ourselves, what's our daily spiritual exercise? What's your ritual? Some of us open a devotional. Some of us uh, read Bible stories. Some of us uh, have prayer lives. Most of us just kind of go through every single day and pray to God that we can survive it. I mean, let's be honest about this. Most of us, if we're being completely honest, like Paul is trying to do here, starts out the day going, please God, let me make it through this day. About 10 o'clock in the morning, we look up to God and say, oh my God, please help me get through lunch. We've gone through lunchtime, and we get to that point where we're like, okay God, I've gotten this far, I just need to make it till 5. Five o'clock comes and we say, thank you, God, that day is over. And we go home. And we sit in our chair or we go and do something that we want to do. In my case, it's maybe getting the chance to watch a TV show that I've wanted to watch. And I grab the remote and I say, please, God, make sure the batteries are not dead in the remote control. And the TV magically turns on. And we're lost in the moment. But then we get ready for bed. I don't care who you are. Right before you go to bed, you start replaying all of the things that have taken place in the day. Sometimes it's a good thing. Sometimes you're questioning, did I do this right or did I do this wrong? Then you're really thinking about what you have to do tomorrow. Oh my goodness, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do this. And we start the day exactly like we did before we woke up. Already stressed and asking God to help us even with tomorrow. What if, just for once, instead of saying, God, please help me do these things, what if we had the opportunity to do a response in our daily practice of prayer? 
In Paul's mind, God is the great initiator. God and Christ cannot be preempted, but rather acts first to provide, to give, to empower, to forgive, to enrich, to gift, to deliver, fill, inspire, save, and a million different other ways that God already acts with us in the name of Jesus Christ. So for Paul, there is nothing left in his entire vocabulary but to start his day but in the aspect of gratitude. Paul does not wake up and hand God a long list of personal needs and wants. Paul responds. Paul is not the giver, you see, but the receiver. And so are we, church. You have the opportunity to respond to the word of God and to be that person that's not asking for the gift, but to be the receiver of that gift. Paul says, in that moment, thank you, God, for raising the quality of our life through Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for the special gifts that you've given to us in speech and insight and the ability to understand and our relationship with Christ. And the more that we proclaim this, this response through these gifts, the more that we have this, our faith is deepened. So this congregation is Christ's gifts empowered while they await Jesus' coming. Paul holds out a promise of endurance for them. Christ will empower you to the very end so that you'll not be lacking in anything come that day. And then Paul, just in his brilliance, wants you to know that God is faithful. It should be the way that we measure our lives, church. God is faithful. Yet, Paul wants you to understand that God, yet again, is the initiator. Not the world. God is faithful. It's important, though, Paul wants you to understand that you have to do that through fellowship. One cannot do this alone. For us, that word has all kinds of things. It could be fellowship dinners. It could be the opportunities that we hang out or... Maybe it's a, a labored conversation with someone during a mission experience. Maybe it's a polite conversation with a, within a Sunday school class. These are the things that Paul is asking us to do. So your question to you, to me is, usually, Josh, well, what are we supposed to do about that? I think the things that Jesus gives to us and that Paul is listening to us are four basic pillars that I'm going to be pushing in every aspect that we do in church this year. And I say push in a gentle sense. The goal is that these are the tenets that I think it takes for us to live in a life of Christianity in a community of faith. One is participation. You have to show up. No, I didn't say every single Sunday. 
I'm not keeping score. I'm not keeping attendance. I'm not trying to find out if you're here or not. If you can, great. If you can't, I understand. Life happens. But being participant doesn't mean necessarily coming to church on Sunday morning. Being a participant means in the ways that we find ourselves in the communities that we have been presented. I'm a participant in the name of God through Jesus Christ when I help out with, you can fill in the blank. But you have to show up. Second, there has to be a partnership in this understanding. We do these things, especially here at the First Christian Church, in the glory of Jesus Christ, because we work together on all of these things to make all of these glorious things happen. The partnership is, we work together for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. And you're going to say, well, what do we get out of it? <laughs> well, a whole lot more than I can give you. Exactly. And then there's fellowship. Listen, I don't know if you figured this out yet, but we like to have fun. I think people are freaked out the fact that churches have fun. Like we're supposed to come and be bored out of our mind and, and then just not do anything fun at all. But I'm sorry, that, that doesn't work here. We have fun all the time. We had fun taking down the Christmas decorations. We had fun pulling up the, the lights. We had fun in our bell choirs, in our choirs. We had fun in worship. We had fun in CMF. We have fun just all the time. And we want people to enjoy that fun and participate in that with us. Fellowship means being together in Koinonia, that loving community of faith. That's, we desire that. It feeds us through our daily life. And then the very last thing. Truly understand what communion is. It's not just bread and juice. It's not just something that we do every Sunday. It changes us. We come to this table because God gave us these gifts and we remember those gifts. Hmm. So our four tenets, our four conversations need to be for me this next year are about participation about partnership, about fellowship, leading us to an understanding of communion. In an aspect of response. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit.